Good morning and around the world. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. This is Mike Long, Bolt from the Blue, producer of the Bolt from the Blue podcast, and of course the uh, Bolt from the Blue uh, blog site at uh, boltfromtheblue.live. What I thought I would do uh, is just in keeping with um, what I heard recently on Ian Cheeseman's podcast, where guys were talking about how they became supporters of Man City. Let me tell you how I first started to support our great club. I'm not a Mancunian, of course. I'm a Northern Irishman, grew up in Carrick Focus in Northern Ireland, and now living out here as an assistant professor in South Korea. And my story is like this. I was nine years old, a good 20 years before there was a thing called the Internet a world that now only exists in our memories. And also in the TV show Stranger Things, if you have not seen that particular TV show, I really recommend it if you grew up in the 1980s, if you were a teenager in the 1980s. And of course, these things exist in grainy, blurred images on YouTube. Of course, as people know, my favorite player was Paul Lake. And... uh what a wonderful time it was. I really wish sometimes, uh, and I would be prepared to forfeit the internet and cell phones to go back in those times, but only if I could have the knowledge that I have now at the ripe old age of 49. So it all started for me in 79, 80 season, and I'd certainly picked the wrong time to start supporting Manchester City. Of course, we'd won the League Cup in 1976 with that beautiful overhead kick by Dennis Stewart, and uh, we finished second in the league in 1977. And even in 1978, we were a, a creditable fourth in the league, but I had not enjoyed any of those relative successes. They were just kind of stories that I've heard because I was nine years old. Instead, I brought the kiss of death to City with my support. We immediately went on a downward spiral that was lifted only by our run to the FA Cup final in 1981, which, as many of you know, we lost 3-2 to Spurs in the replay. Little did I know back then that I'd never see us lift an actual trophy until 2002, and even that wasn't a real one to my mind. It was the second division title by then, I think stupidly, renamed the championship with uh, Kevin Keegan in charge. My goodness, in 2002, I was, I think, about 32 by then, and still with the sad remnants of a Morrissey-like quiff. It would be a further nine years before I'd see us win something that my mates thought worthy of celebrating. Those mates that I have and had were Liverpool and United supporters. A trophy to them meant the League Cup, the League Championship, a European Cup, or the FA Cup. And City, of course, had won trophies like this in the few years before I was born. But from then on, there had only been that solitary League Cup success in 1976. For a nine-year-old, even that three-year-old success, by the time that I, you know, was about nine and starting to take an interest in football, seemed like ancient history. I had no real right to support Manchester City. I didn't live in Manchester. I grew up in Carrickfergus, a small coastal town in Northern Ireland. None of us felt like we had the proper right to support the English teams, but we did anyway. 
when I started playing football with my friends at the back of our row of small terraced houses, of course there was precious little football on TV at that time, just a weekly highlight show on ITV, I'm thinking Saint and Greavesy, and of course there were the write-ups and photos in the newspapers, and pretty much every day we assembled after school to emulate our heroes for a kickabout. Jumpers and school bags for goalposts and I loved every minute. Happiest hours of my life. The name that was most often screamed out when a goal was scored was Dogleash. We played from about four o'clock in the afternoon when we got home from school until tea time. And then we heard the final call, which was your the sound of your mom yelling out your name from your back garden. And I remember it to this day. Michael! Embarrassing. Every time my mum did that, at around 11 o'clock at night, my mates all mimicked her, to my acute humiliation. I've had a logical hatred for Liverpool ever since. Their fans were smug little bastards. Unfortunately, my love for the game far exceeded my actual ability. I was usually one of the last to be picked for a team. There were a few of my age, but most of the other lads were much taller and stronger. Some of them even had what looked like real skill. I was happy just to get a game. It would be years yet before uh, any of our parents could afford to buy us a proper football kit for Christmas. They mostly all followed Liverpool, the glory hunters. There was one Spurs fan and one who supported Bobby Robson's Ipswich. There were even a couple of United fans, but at that time, United were as bad as us. They'd probably been told stories of the Busby babes by their dads and had thus been indoctrinated that way. My dad was a neutral. But then there was Derek Miskimmon. He was about 16 years old. One of the best players in Ireland, as far as I could see. He would only grace us with his presence once or twice a month, but we all loved it when he came. He was so cool. He was very handsome. He was full of great stories. I remember distinctly how, one night, he told us all about a horror movie he and his friends had seen called The Exorcist. He described the scenes in gruesome detail as we all sat around, totally enthralled. His nickname was Skin. That's what we called him, and he was a city supporter. He loved Malcolm Allison. He told me how Big Mal was city's returning saviour, the hero of our successes in the late 1960s, the man who would restore city to their glory days. One day, Skin turned up to play football with us in this beautiful blue Man City shirt. Game over. I was transfixed by the colour. I'd always looked up to Skin in a, in a dopey fanboy kind of way, but that shirt, it was the most beautiful shade of blue with a floppy white collar. And I became a Man City fan right there and then. And I wanted a shirt like that. That became my nine-year-old's mission in life. I spent hours thinking about what I would look like in that shirt. And you can see it, guys. If you go on to a Google image search and you check out guys like Tommy Caton and Tommy Hutchison in 1981, that was the shirt that, uh, that I love so much. And from that moment on, I just began to bother all my mates to give me pictures of City. City players from Shoot Magazine to put on my bedroom wall. And thanks to Google image search, I can actually still find these these photographs, these pictures and posters that pissed my mum off no end by taking up the whole wall in my bedroom rather than being discreetly positioned in a more aesthetic 
or a more aesthetically pleasing way. Or Dave Watson, Peter Barnes, Gary Owen. The problem was that by then, we, i.e. Man City, were getting stuffed every week. To my great irritation, we were regularly being drubbed by Liverpool. The score was very often something like 4-0 in my memory. And in my first two seasons as a real City fan, we finished 15th in 1979, 17th in 1980. But what hurt me so much more was that Malcolm Allison sold all my heroes and made all of the posters on my bedroom wall obsolete. He sold Peter Barnes and Gary Owen to West Brom on one of the worst days of my life. He also got rid of our best defender, Dave Watson. I hated him for that. Later I forgave him, but at the time I was actually quite glad that he got the sack. The new boss was John Bond, who replaced uh, Malcolm in 1980. And you can see the story of Big Mal's downfall and Bond's arrival in an incredibly well-preserved multi-part documentary on YouTube. And it, the, the title on, of this documentary was Manchester City, A Club in Crisis. And if you enter that into YouTube, you get this absolutely amazing documentary uh, which uh, charts the uh, decline of Malcolm Allison and the arrival of John Bond. I didn't take to John Bond at first, but for more of this, I'll explain later. Guys, if that rings any chords with you, and uh, if you're of a similar age, and you remember becoming a Man City supporter in the late 1970s, give us a bit of feedback. Let me know what you think. And I'll give you part two very shortly. So until then, this is Mike from Bolt from the Blue. As I always say, have one on me, have one on us. We've got a great team with uh, Ray from Man City Fan TV and uh, King of the Kipax writer, Colin Savage. And we do podcasts every week in the season. And we hope that you'll join us. But until then, have one on us and up the blues. It's about time that your mind took off